Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right. Hey, it's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and it is time for the True Wealth Show. I'm stoked to be back in the studio. Well, I am so happy to have you back. It, it The biggest fear I have is not doing the show by myself, but like, Actually doing the show by myself, having to monologue for 45 minutes. Ooh, scary. Like, and you, and you I think started that's... that way. Oh. Uh, well, actually, back in the day, Kyle Bailey used to join me on the he program. He kind of co-chaired a little. He added some booms and ahs in there right? for you. There, there was a lot of, huh. That, <laughs> yeah. that, like, if, you, if you listen regularly to KQEN and you hear Kyle Bailey and he's doing an interview, listen for the, huh. huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the equivalent in radio speak of, Go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm listening, but I'm not really paying attention. And that was the insert here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it, I mean, and so the show has certainly matured. We've covered a lot, uh, but the foundation is unchanged. True. And by the way, I'm supposed to, I guess the, the announcer voice announces Katie too, right? You can tell it's me and Katie in studio. Right? I know. It's so nice, by the way. Like I said, I'm, I'm happy to have you back. Do you want to share where you were? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is gallivanting across the. Oh, I did. Not even just the country, multiple countries? Yes, yeah. I am international. Oh, watch right? out, the international so, man of mystery. Uh, I could tell you all that first, uh, a mastermind group that I'm a part of met in, I'm sorry, in Tennessee. Okay, back up two seconds. Yep. A lot. Not everybody knows what a mastermind group is. Okay, Can you so, explain what yeah, that is? So, yeah, in this group, this is a. Uh, uh, this is a group that happens to be about eleven. It's of a us. male business group. Yeah, and in this case, it's it's business quite, owners. It's I don't want to call it fraternal, and it, it this case particularly, it is a men's group. I don't think it's because it's a sexist organization at all. It's just because oftentimes guys will talk about things with guys that they won't talk about in other environments, right? Okay, let's be honest, and, girls do the same thing too. So, yep. and and the other That's is why we that go to the bathroom together. There is a significant element of faith underlying this group. So, right. uh, we do get together face to face a couple times a year. Uh, so this was in Tennessee for this one, and there are multiple subgroups um, in, encompassing a larger group. Uh, we did follow safety protocols and all the stuff that you're supposed to do. So don't anybody get their bristles up over. But there. you got to go to Tennessee. Yep. So went out there, Nashville. And Which I'm still jealous. You've been there a few times, and that's on my bucket list. Yeah. I've heard Nashville is just fun. Uh, well, we, you know, we didn't get out a ton. It was really, we could have been anywhere True. for this group because it was really about the experience. And When they are conventions, mm -hmm. it's really not as important sometimes yeah, as the destination. Could, I mean, we could have been in, you know, like the Arctic Circle, and as long as we weren't <laughs> cold, it would have been like, all right, let's get her done. Uh, so, the, but but that was great, and good good chance to get around a great group of men and then we you know share all kinds of aspects of life business and and so forth so that's a fun group for for me and did that then went to virginia and this this virginia by the way is relevant because today we're gonna we're gonna talk about something and i'll share in a minute but uh looking at some investment opportunities in virginia and then uh met See, my, international man of mystery flew back and met up with my family, and we went to uh, San Jose, San Jose del Cabo, San Jose, San Jose del Cabo, which is uh, close to Cabo San Lucas. So right. you know, Cabo down in Mexico. 
uh, fantastic trip. One of Katie's and, favorite places. Yeah, this Katie's <laughs> talked about this before. We've teased on the show when she's gone, like, oh, Katie's in Mexico. Yep. So, uh, in fact, at your recommendation, Katie, right. we stayed at the resort that uh, I now that understand I why you love it so much. <laughs> Uh, right. It was beautiful, very restorative. And let me just throw this out there for all of you that are still in the workforce. Um, you don't have to go to Mexico to have a restorative vacation, but I think it's really important from time to time. And I had lost some of this. I, I think I'd been pushing pretty hard and burning the candle at both ends. And make no mistake, you if you go to work and you labor hard right like digging a ditch all day you're exhausted and you know that that was labor and you physically need a break but if you have a more white collar profession something that has a lot of mental energy I was say brain space it, yeah then it's amazing how that is still very taxing and you don't necessarily realize the stress that you're carrying uh, i didn't know how wound i was until i got a chance to unwind and I've had multiple people comment on my level of chill is different since returning. No, you found your smile again. Like it's so there's an interesting thing that happens fourth quarter and fourth quarter for whatever reason for us um, in our industry. And it's before the end of the year. There's lots of tax planning. There's different deadlines that we're up against. Well, first quarter, too. I mean, there's fourth quarter. There's a big push. But then first quarter. Really, there's well, all this organization running up to the April 15 deadline. I feel too. like it's right. I feel like it's but first quarter, I always feel like is like spring cleaning, right? It's like, let's get our house in order. Let's kind of, there's a lot of um, admin stuff that goes into it, but, um, but we had a lot going on last year. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's been a very busy year, right? Just a very busy year um, altogether. And, and you don't like, I think when you do have a, a desk job or a computer job, you don't a get that sense of accomplishment necessarily like when you go out and work in your garden or you do something i think sometimes when you physically labor it's easier to look back and go i did well, that seeing the results right I, i've i've talked with many about this that when you drive a desk and you push around zeros and ones which is you know just a cute way of saying hey i'm on a computer all day where's the ta-da where's the look what we've created right, right. And well, and especially if you leave your desk every day with another pile on it, right? It's never cleaned off. Like, it's like, oh, here's my pile for tomorrow. So it's like you're already stressed about the stuff you I'm, have to do tomorrow. I'm totally going to start to fix that, by the way. That that was a mental takeaway is all about, you know, organization. If, if you think that the messy desk thing, you know, I've used that excuse for a long time as a geographic organizer. Right. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, I, I love saying, that you've uh, termed your disorganization. Right? It's like, I know. <laughs> don't clean it. I know where I put it. Right. And largely that's true but if you have enough going on that can overwhelm you uh now maybe you're a savant maybe you have like a perfect recall and you have a uh, photographic or whatever identic memory i do not <laughs> so i have a pretty good memory you do <laughs> i have a pretty good memory but i uh, it's not pretty sharp it's not something where i can get away with it forever when you clean things up, it again, it frees your mind up to focus on other things because the organization is, I don't have to track it any longer. It goes in a spot and I know how it categorically works. Therefore, I can free up more mind space for creativity. And if you think about this, I've read a, an interesting book recently called Who Not How, great book, by the way. Okay. And creativity is really the engine of success. Mm -hmm. Right. All of the new things and that, that, that come out of the creative process, 
that's what drives success for any of us, right? Well, and that's what drives visionaries, right? Like that creative vision for the future of the company is is Mm -hmm. super important. One of the things that I always joke around to David, I'm like, when are you going on vacation again? Okay, you can't take one for at least three months though, okay? Like I, I, good luck with that. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) That's my rule. I may have to talk to your wife about that one. Heather, you listening? But um, the it's so important to unplug because when you're working in the business all the time, sometimes you're not working on the business, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you have a chance to step away and actually process, right? And it's not saying those thoughts aren't like bouncing around up there, but then you Mm -hmm. have a chance to like clear out the clutter, get away from all the noise, and then it's like, oh, I have time to process my thoughts. And think about, and, and like you said, even reading, like doing some inspirational reading. Well, I'm just mad that I, right. I started a book, but I didn't get to finish it. And I'm like, uh, oh, now I got to finish that book. Well, it's funny you bring up the, when I'm talking about cleaning up brain space for creativity, it's it's sort of like, you know how they say your best ideas oftentimes come in the shower or something like that? Mine always come over lunch with my mother. <laughs> okay. Well... There are some brainwave studies that talk about, you know, the the state that you're in when you're in the shower where you're doing things that are relatively routine, but you're also uh, your your brainwave patterns are kind of similar to meditation. So you oftentimes do get creative inspiration in that environment. And that's part of what and I don't do this, by the way, but I'm interested in learning about what meditation can be. Because to me, meditation like this is my sarcastic, flippant self saying, oh, yeah, meditation. That's when I take a nap. <laughs> um, well, the hard part is if you're so exhausted, the minute you right, close your eyes, you do fall right. asleep. But, but it doesn't have to be. But if, the if book actually... I was reading about was about leading in, like in the noise, right? Like how do you become an effective leader with all the noise that's going on? And he keeps talking about white noise, like drowning out all of the auxiliary noise. Like he even said, like sometimes you need white noise so that you can focus better because then it's, it enables you to kind of concentrate on what you're doing because your ears kind of shut off because you have all this background noise. But he said sometimes when it's too quiet, then all of a sudden, like if the pin drops or the dog barks or something, they distract you more all the time. Yeah, and and I, it was interesting. He was talking about sleep and he goes, yeah, we sleep with white noise machines. And he goes, because every time my kid coughs in the other room, I don't want to wake up from it. I've, I've had my best sleep in years. I, I think I've talked about this on the show. Uh, I'm not going to call this sexy, by the way, but I'm going to be honest because <laughs> you, my listeners, we have that kind of relationship where I can be honest with you, right? You should be honest. And I have, so I am on sleep therapy, right? So I, I use this sleep, I have sleep apnea, so I have this CPAP machine. And a lot more you know, common these days than I, people I tease realize. about my Darth Vader starter kit, right? <laughs> and by the way, may the fourth be with you. Yeah, oh, oh, I did it. Well Thank played. you for that segment. Well played. So, it, we, me and my Darth Vader uh, starter kit, and then I put in earplugs. And I got to tell you, I can sleep great like that. Uh, earplugs, too. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what you don't think about is that with this depending on how your CPAP is fitted and for me it's kind of a robust nasal cannula sort of deal so you do the nose thing and not the whole like mouth right it's thing. not okay. the whole like okay cup cover your whole face thing that's not the fighter pilot one right okay right, yeah like you know cover <laughs> me maverick no uh so I, I leave my wingman that's not what i'm doing now, uh but it it goes up and there's part of it sort of on the the crown of your head well you actually have a lot of hearing sensitivity there Right. You had this bone conduction for hearing. And so if but it's really regular and rhythmic, right, because, you know, you're breathing Mm -hmm. and you hear a little the machine while it's very, very quiet. It's not silent. But between that and the earplugs, it kind of knocks out all the ambient noise and 
the, it, it's almost hypnotic. It's like, a, oh, now's the sleepy time. So they're starting to do these, um, like, baths or pools where you go to these, uh, like Is this a the daredevil pool? No, it's like a kind of. It's right, like you a know spa. What I'm talking about, yeah, right? the movie. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about Ben Affleck and Daredevil, because he he was yeah, it was blind. the sensory deprivation chamber. But they're they doing that now. They actually have spas with these really shallow pools where you get your head like your face is above water, but your ears aren't. And it's void of sound, and it's on purpose, and it's really dark, right? So you're not supposed to be able to see. And the water is supposed to be like skin temperature or slightly warm so you're comfortable it's not you're not cold but for that reason for you to go and just shut your brain off you, you want to hear something funny what uh so again because i'm honest with our listeners so we have a pool at home okay and in the summertime i will sometimes go out in the pool when and i'm the only one and i'll get in and i will do exactly what you just described i kind of just float well do you float on a floaty or just like no on your own? I, so what i do is I'm kind of in the shallow end in the sweet spot where I just kind of lean up and I touch my head against the wall because it keeps me in a single spot. So I'm mm -hmm. not drifting around because there's little current with the jets moving. And then I'm submitted, submerged in such a way that, you know, I can breathe, but everything else is underwater. I just stare at the stars and just float in the pool, motionless and We silent. call that being present. And, and yeah, just watching the stars. You know, you see cool things like there's satellites up there that you'll see moving around you occasionally get a shooting star and or an airplane so we but used to do that when for... i was little we had a hammock outside and mm -hmm. we used to lay with my mom in the hammock and just look at the stars but where our house was in southern california was under a flight pattern so every six minutes like you'd see it like a really high up but you'd see a plane go by mm -hmm. so it was like and it you know and same thing you can see the satellites and you can see the stars and stuff but it was so hypnotic just to sit outside in like just yeah. kind of be one with nature. Like it was well, really this quiet. This is more sensory deprivation for me. It just happens in a pool. Right. But, but you know, I'm kind of echoing. Well, look, um, let's take all of this for a minute, as novel as it is. But I want to bring home, after all of this travel and all of this discussion of creativity and success and moving forward, how are we going to make this relevant to you as an investor? And we're going to talk today about a couple of things. One, we're going to talk about research but two we're going to talk about real estate and other important stuff too but we're going to take a break first because the music already played so we got to run we'll be right back this is dave little john and katie shook and got true well on news radio 1240 kqen all right gang welcome back to the true well show where i have to be more punctual with our breaks <laughs> <laughs> it's david's fault hey we're back were you that bad though isn't it like no we're a little we actually long were like on time no, no we're long we're long All it's right. okay uh we so, get some discretion in there right you know it's not too out of wax yeah like so, two minutes so it's like well <laughs> we'll just take our next break right now. no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um so research and real estate yeah yeah i wanted to cover we talked about this before the show a little katie and uh, we do our, actually our prep was, a little bit. Yeah, our setup was way too long. Um, but if you're just joining us, hey, tell your friends, go check out the podcast. It'll be great. Just skip ahead 20 minutes. Oh, uh, you know what? We're real people and we have real life experiences and we do talk about true wealth on this show. Yeah. And and I think that's ultimately the key on this thing is the, the true wealth is what the show is about. But I want to talk about I'm going to talk about real estate. It's been something that's on my brain a lot lately. Uh, for lots of reasons. Part of it, I mentioned Virginia, right? Okay. And a real, uh, the investment opportunity was real estate related. Okay. Uh, there are. And lots we believe of, in both, by the way. 
in oh, our firm. Yeah, like, well, it's uh, not like, oh, you have to only do stock market investments because that's what we do. Oh, far from it, in fact. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more. This is something, Katie, I haven't even shared this with you yet, but this is something that you're going to start hearing from me because I believe that this is really, really important uh, and so much so that this is going to become uh, kind of a, a key thing that you're going to hear, it, just in general, okay. out of our firm. Um, in the past, we've talked about the um, the envelope. Well, we talked about the envelope plan. We've all talked about the napkin plan. Envelope plan is a Dave Ramsey plan, right? That's a budgeting process. Right. The napkin plan. What we're going to talk. I'm, I'm going to take the napkin can plan. It's going to grow up just a little bit, okay? Because uh, there are layers when it comes to finance, and we're going to talk about the personal business plan. Okay. Okay. And so you're going to hear that phraseology from me more and more frequently. The personal business plan is really what an investment plan is supposed to be. And and I choose this phraseology really on purpose because folks, when you think about a financial plan, that, first of all, it sounds kind of, it can sound snobby or aloof. A lot of people look at that and go, well, you got to have money to have a financial plan. I go, well, no, no, you got to have a plan if you ever want to have any money, though. True. Right? I mean, if you have some money, planning with it makes it better. But if you want to develop resources, you better have a strategy. Right. Okay. And, you know, let me say that again. If you want resources, you better have a strategy uh, because it's really hard to choose your parents. Stop reading the Facebook thing where everybody's like, I got rich overnight on accident. Like those things, even though they're fun to advertise, do that, not happen that frequently. Ooh, David got busted on the I ringer. I did. Look at that. I thought the ringer was off. My but bad. it's, but it's, and, and I like the personal business plan because even when I had um, Mr. Mills from North 40 on there, we were talking about investing in yourself as a business owner, right? right? Like you have to invest in yourself so that you can have resources to invest. Well, and let me, here's why I use this, okay? Planning is, it's not a metaphor and it's not a euphemism, it's an actual thing. But what it's really around is like every business has an idea what it's supposed to do, right? Nobody goes into business and is like, well, you know, I'm just going to show up at an office and money will find me. Yeah, that That's doesn't happen. That's not how that works. <laughs> no. The business does something. It has a job. It has various roles to get it accomplished. And if you're a single operator, then you run all of those jobs, right? Right. Wear and lots of hats. If you get bigger, you have a team and you divide the labor amongst the team. And then it's just a matter of how big do the teams get and how are the organizational units structured in order to get this done. You personally have things you'd like to accomplish in the world. Right. Most of us do. And maybe it's just don't run out of money before I die. Okay? <laughs> that, I mean, maybe it's that simple, but maybe it's a lot more complex. Maybe I hope that that's more exciting than that. If you have the like, don't run out of money before I die. I hope there's a really big bucket list attached well, to that. Of fun. I suggest, <laughs> Not well, a like I want to hide in my hole well, until I die. Let's talk layers. Right. Because I mentioned that earlier. The layer underneath that is going to be don't run out of money before I die. OK, that's kind of an overarching theme. Good. Before you die, what are the things that you're spending money on? Because yes. that's part of it. And he's like, okay, well, good. And if you're spending money on it, how much money do you have to spend? Where's it going to come from? And where's it going to go? Well, Who's and gonna... I feel like it's kind of like a little bit options, right? Like option A is like, this is life support. Like this is what I need to exist as I am. But then there's also like, hey, if I could have anything in the world, this is these are the things that I want to do. Like the bucket list. Well, and again, the personal business plan still says plan in it. But it's treat yourself like a business, right? Okay. And, and the business model has to do the things to make everything work, has different roles and different players. 
That's the idea. So today's show is not about the personal business plan, but it I, I want you to just hear that because part of my personal business plan includes a, a lot of diversification, a lot of investments, right? You think about the firm as a financial firm, right? Right. Uh, that is something that is part of my personal business plan is business ownership in that arena, right? But also there's my retirement planning components, real estate investments, family components, right? There's all these different things. I mean, Katie, you have a personal business plan. You may not have thought of it that way, but you totally have a structure and a flow of how things are designed to work in your life. Right. And the things you're not crazy about, if you want to change them, you, you should change the design, right? If you build a different machine, you expect a different outcome. True. Okay. Very so true. That's the idea behind the personal business plan. So let's talk about real estate though for for a little while because, and and real estate and research are going to be closely connected today, and we're going to use them inter not interchangeably. <laughs> they're not the same, but we're going to use one to talk. Well, about they're the correlated. Other. Well, well, they're they're related in this. They're 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 interdependent, if you will. In that, to do a good job with real estate, you're going to have to do some research. True. Okay. Now. You don't, you don't, you can do research on lots of stuff. So research can be applied to many, many things. True. But we're going to, we're going to apply research in the context of real estate. Okay. Now, first, your opinion. Oh, and I love giving my opinion to people. You're an expert in it, right? <laughs> and we need to, fair disclosure, I believe you have a personal relationship with somebody involved in real estate. Oh, sure enough. My husband, Thomas Shook, sells real estate. So, yes, I've been I've been around a realtor, too, considering like my whole no. family at some point has been yes. in real estate. I, well, you personally have held a real estate. I have. License. I got my real estate license at 18. Right. So I no longer have my real estate license, but I had one. <laughs> well, and it was also in California. And it was in California, which is also why I no longer have my real estate <laughs> license. But yes. Yeah. So but let's talk about, first of all, uh, real estate has lots of different forms. Yes. Okay. And I think there's probably three, let's let's call it three big picture categories, and then there's subcategories of it. So I will say, and the three I'm thinking of, and you might want to expand on this, but I think there's land. Oh, you were going a different direction. Okay. Commercial, and then there's re personal. I'll call it personal, not yeah, residential. residential. Yeah. I'm going to call it personal, commercial and non-commercial, right? Because residential real estate, it can be then. It can be you can have commercial residential, right? Apartment complexes, things. Well, like that. and that's what I was gonna say. I I would because you can have multi-tenant or multi-family, or then you. I can wouldn't have, come. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would actually kind of consider it a fourth category, okay. like that, like the apartment complexes or the duplexes and stuff. I would consider its own because it they don't walk so and talk so like a residential. Say there's commercial, so there's raw land, commercial property. Then there we'll call it residential property, right? And then let's call it single family, right? Okay, and, and single family is residential, but it's it's a big enough category on its own that we need to kind of think of it independently. Right. And all of these break down, just like for me to say, oh, go invest in stocks. You're like- Sweet, which one? Yeah, thanks. That's like saying, go breathe air. You know, like, <laughs> well- There's only, you know, over 10,000 of them out there. You got one in mind? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, there's, there's so many different companies out there that you can invest in. So stock is way too- Broad. But they can be similar, right? Because it's like if you have a smaller amount to invest, then it, like what you can afford might also help dictate what you're investing in. Yeah, I, I, I before we go there, I mean, I'll just kind of finish this thought for our listeners, and I'll, I'll kind of I'll look at the clock too here, so I'll give Dale a heads up. But the the idea is 
you you break down big categories into small categories, right? You know, and and so and stock there, can be stocks, like that. There's... And then there's tech stocks, right? Tech companies, and then there might be tech companies that work as internet companies, and then within that they might be internet security companies, and then without it might be cloud-based internet security or something. You know, so like so, how far are you diving down? Okay. Well, down to ultimately you get to the position. Okay. Right. You know, if we were said that well, there's stocks or equities as they're sometimes called, and you have um, you have military and defense, and then underneath that you have aviation, and then you have uh, manufacturing, and then you have Boeing, right? It might like go down to <laughs> okay. that, right? Got it. So that's the idea. And real estate's gonna work in much the same fashion. So we're gonna break apart. Real estate has a few moving parts to it, but uh, before we get to the moving parts, let's do this. We'll grab a break so we stay on track. And then when we come back, you're, you're, if you want to invest in real estate, you need to understand these. There's more than that, too. You're going to need you're going to understand this or you can put yourself in a lot of harm. So let's uh, stick around. We'll be right back and we'll start peeling the layers back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. we got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. See what happens when you're gone for like two weeks. You're out of practice. Already. Oh, come on. Now. <laughs> Welcome back to the True Well Show, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if you're just joining, I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me um, pretty much all the time is, is Katie Shuck. Yeah. I love joining you on the show. Yeah, it's fun. No, it's good stuff. And then we're uh, podcasting this thing as well. If you're just joining and you want to get in on the fun, check out littlejohnfs.com and you can go to the Educate tab and you're going to find all the podcasts there. We're also on iTunes and a bunch of other places. So you, you can hunt us down, right? We're out there. I want to like, I want to go back and listen to some of the original ones just to see how different they are now. <laughs> right. Well, we sound much more mature and intelligent. Well, now. I didn't even join you for like a year. Maybe longer than that. And a half? Yeah, yeah, it, it was it a while. It took a while until I was like, this monologue stuff is terrifying. We got to, because this and it is took one, me a the, few the shows to even get Limbaugh comfortable. Was, he was pretty remarkable at the monologue thing, but he still invited people on the air with him. And he talked to people in the studio. They just didn't have mics. Yeah. So that was an interesting one, too. Like his producer. All right. Yes. So peeling back the layers of real estate. Right. We're talking about real estate today. And we've we've kind of the high level is there's different categories of real estate. And largely there's um, I, I kind of called it commercial, non-commercial. We said like basically yeah, like land, it, residential so or single it, family homes, yeah. apartments, and then commercial real estate, which is like shopping. Centers. Yeah. So I'll say there's like there's like commercial real estate and that has several subcategories. There's raw land and then you have multifamily housing and residential single family, single dwelling housing. Right. Okay. And single dwellings sometimes still fit into the category of like maybe it's a townhouse or something connected to other homes, but they still have individual. But they walk and talk and, on their own, yeah. And and so there's all kinds of weird stuff with real estate that, uh, truthfully, I, I still if if you don't know how to navigate real estate, I still believe that you know having professionals in your life is is valuable for that reason. And professionals include realtors, uh, also a, a good attorney in many cases. You, you may find that if you're buying something, you're finding your way into an HOA or something like that. That's a homeowners association. It could be sets of rules that you have to comply with, all kinds of novelty. Well, and buying things out of state, right? Not every state operates the same. Right. So some use title companies and escrows and some use attorneys. Right. And then you get into the further down the road of, by the way, you're opening yourself up to multiple uh, estate issues. If you have multi-state property and you ever die with it, then you know how do you 
manage title and which so we've forth. talked to our favorite attorney about probate and all the other good stuff so that's a that's yeah, a show so for another time there's another time but but for the real estate itself we're going to talk about you know how first of all if you want to invest in real estate uh how do you figure out how much something should cost okay and how do you do research and so forth okay and first of all, the research one is kind of cool because there are so many tools on the internet now Oh my gosh, has right? that evolved? The last Again, information years, overwhelm. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, whether you're at realtor.com or you go directly to the RMLS website and look up listings, or uh, you're at Zillow or t- t- what, Trulia, or I mean, there's like a there's whole like Redfin bunch. Redfin and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, they're everywhere. And then you get into you know commercial at looper.net and stuff. There's LoopNet. Yeah, there's, there's, there's all kinds of them, right? And you can just do a Google search and and find stuff. But cost is always it's it's basic economy, like basic economics 101, right? Buying and selling. So when you're looking at how much your Ooh, price kinda. would be, you're comparing it to what's sold on the market that's so similar to yours. I would say that it's tempting like I think it's more than that, right? Cuz it's not just supply and demand. I mean it, it is supply and demand, but it's also uh, what it's what's going to influence the supply and demand and it's going to be significant factors so much so that I don't want to oversimplify it to just supply and demand because ultimately sure what is the what determines the price of anything right is supply and demand supply and demand but so, but there's a, there are more complexities too so we're going to talk about how do things get valued typically on let's start with the residential side because I think that's kind of a the one that most of our listeners are probably familiar with if you wanted to go buy a house how does the price of a house typically get determined so again, I would look at what's sold recently in the area and also in your square footage or the size, like bedrooms, bathrooms, but then also how many are on the market, right? So right. availability, because now we're looking at, is it so a seller? That's a supply issue. That's a supply. Is it a seller's market or a buyer's market, right? And then, and is there anything weird about any of the houses that have recently sold? So first of all, I'm going to ask you, what kind of buyer are you? Are you an investor or are you the person that's going to live in the house? Oh, I get to pick one for my made-up person? Well, no, I'm just saying to our listeners, how are you buying this thing? Are I'll you say buying I'm an, as an I'll, investor? Or I'll do it as, as an investor residence? today. Okay, so, well, then I'm going to start with the other. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, fine. Uh, because if you're looking for a house, the first thing is what I think most people do. What can is, I rent it for? Well, no, they think, how much can I afford? True. Right? I mean, like if I want to buy a house, it's like, well, what's my price range? Well, I have this much money for a down payment or I can qualify for this much in financing. Okay. Typically. Right. And that does drive a lot of the conversation around where real estate's at. You know, if you think about one of the reasons that real estate prices have escalated a lot, first, we've got uh, COVID. A lot of people are trying to leave cities. They want to get back out into a little bit more space because it gets pretty lame having quarantine in a shoebox apartment well and you know the last year people have been working from home and they're like and companies have said well we may not need as much brick and mortar so we're gonna allow you to work from home and it's like well if i have to work from home let me go pick a better home there's yep so all of those are influencing the demand right but the supply side hasn't caught up so you have increased demand and you have the same limited supply the price goes up. Well, you've also mentioned something too. Interest rates are really, there really you go. low. Access to capital, right? So you have right more now, money with interest, chasing the same, same number of right. houses, right? That pushes up 
demand. Price, right? Because yeah. the demand means they can afford to spend more. Right. And in some markets, you're hearing reports of, you know, prices well over list. Right. I mean, and what that means is hey, a, a, a realtor or a homeowner lists a home for sale and somebody comes in and offers to buy it for more than they're asking for. Right. So uh, and sometimes well above what they're asking for in certain cases. So the question then is, what's the house worth? And the answer is what somebody will pay for it. But what influences what somebody will pay for it? The demand, which is then influenced by all of the things we've been describing. Well, and that's important too because if you're doing financing, we talked about financing briefly. If you're doing financing, let's say there's you know a two hundred thousand dollar house, and the bank says, "Well, it's really only worth one sixty. We'll loan you on one sixty. That means if you buy it for two hundred, you have to come up with the forty thousand dollar difference. Oh, you 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 just you got one step ahead. See, ah, because Katie's she, that's how smart she is. She's no, always up ahead. I'm always looking for the angles. So. Here's the flip side of it is how would an appraiser value the home? Well, they're also that's different than what because you went down that path originally, right? You started to say, well, you're going to look at the area and the square footage and you're going to look at comparable sales that have occurred in the environment. You're going to look at the available inventory a little bit, but that's less critical, believe it or not. Right. Um, but mostly well as a buyer i'm going to look at the inventory yeah, but the, the appraiser's that, that, not i mean the appraiser's going to look and see what's sold in the area recently that's comparable right. to your home and part of why this matters is because what a bank is going to say is look if we are going to loan you money on this house and you don't pay us back then we're going to take the house right and we have to be able to sell it and get our money back right so that's how collateral works so they're right? adjusting their risk so what they're doing is they're trying to quantify their risk by saying we need an appraisal to in essence determine the value of this collateral and we don't trust you ah right and we don't care what you're willing to pay for it you could say i'll pay whatever you want for it i gotta have it the yeah, bank but they says, want it. well you can say that but we won't we have to manage the risk to our <laughs> to the regulators right. and to our investors and so forth so they're not going to just do that so the appraisal was supposed to be an independent party that assesses the value and they look at comparables but there is a gotcha in there so i said i was going to be an investor right you said you were going to be like a personal home buyer and yeah, i said i was going to be an investor now if i'm looking at a house that's already a rental I could potentially get financials for what the rental income is, and the bank would also look at the rental income when yeah. they're looking at the loan for me so as well. You're you're transitioning, and the reason I was segmenting this. So so again, you guys listening, I appreciate how brilliant you are, right? Because <laughs> we have the smartest listeners. That's the best thing about this radio station. So that's I know why they that listen on Tuesdays. You have the smartest listeners. Um, what you just described, Katie, is in fact an element of how an investor would price a property. It's additional elements that are a homeowner's not typically considering, right? Yeah, because they're considering them as the renter. They're the paycheck. So what I want to do, this is actually a really good time to do this too. It's slightly early, but let's take our last break. Okay. Because what it's going to do is it's going to give us time when we come back to talk about how the commercial side looks different as a real estate investor and we'll talk about how you're pricing there and then we can ask that big question is it overpriced or not but we got to take a break first stick around we'll be right back this is dave littlejohn and katie shuck got true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen
Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. We're covering real estate today. Investing right? in real estate and research yeah, and all and, the parts in between. And we talk about the stock market a lot. We talk about planning a lot. Those are kind of sweet spot areas for us as professionals. That's kind of what we do. <laughs> but real estate is something that I think is a really important part of many people's personal business plan, right? Your financial plan. Right. And so I think clients it, ask us about their real estate and absolutely. they ask us about investing in real estate. And and we're getting a lot of questions because, you know, clearly the real estate market's been very hot. Oh, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, at different points, I've said, it feels kind of 2006-ish even. The, you know, the prices are just going to the moon. And uh, the question is, how do you determine whether or not the price is too high? And I, I, I'm using this as a segue. You'll see where I'm going with this. Katie. I'm waiting. Uh, when you're buying a house, a big portion of it is, can I afford the payments? Right. Right. Like a lot of people, that's how they finance things. And so, well, let me look at my budget. This is sort of the payment parameters and how much house can I get for that? And then we go looking for houses that meet the criteria that we have within the price range that we have. And that's largely how people do it. And if you can't find anything, you have to make compromises in either size or, you know, features or whatnot. Right. Or, or try area. to get creative in financing. Yeah. But, but that's how you sort of tap dance maybe you maybe you try to you know bring in roommates and spread the cost around but that's the well the you still have to idea. qualify for the house though yes so the the whole idea uh on the residential side is has a little different purpose because you're also going to compare it to well what could i go rent and get right right and 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 so i have to look at my cost to rent versus buy and so so there are different parameters now as an investor then you look at different things typically because there are multiple moving parts to real estate value, right? right? There's the asset itself. Right. Right. How much is the real estate worth? There's the appreciation of the asset. I was going to say, what? yeah, what do you right? expect the future yeah, appreciation I, to be? If I buy, let's talk about commercial property. I'm going to buy a building. That building is worth X dollars now. What's that building worth in dollars in 10 years? Oh, if it's expected point. to be higher, then there's appreciation value anticipated. Right. The building will be worth more, provided that you do the maintenance and upkeep, which you have to factor into the cost of ownership. True. Right? And remember, the larger the building, the larger the problems. Right. <laughs> then, then you have to look at why are you buying the building? Most investors are buying the building because they are expecting to rent it to somebody right, else. Right, for income. And those tenants are expected to pay them. And so there's an income source from the tenants. Right. Will it be rented the whole time or will it be rented part of the time or none of the time? All of that changes how much cash flow is coming. And think of the real estate. In this case, your commercial property is like a little business. How does it earn its money? Right. What are its costs? And then at the end, does its revenue in exceed the cost going out? Right. But here's where it gets tricky. It also can be purchased with financing, which means you might be able to control a piece of property with less money than the whole purchase price. Okay, just like a home has a mortgage, you can put a mortgage on a, a mortgage commercial. equivalent on a commercial property. Right. So investors now can a home be an investment property? Yes. Yeah, absolutely it can. Yeah. Right? And in fact, that's real common. We have a lot of folks that they buy rental properties and they get a bunch of them and then they rent them out and they try to keep them rented. And you've heard, probably heard nightmare stories of the tenant that destroyed a place and cost them a bunch of money. But largely, 
The idea is I took out a mortgage on a place or maybe I own it free and clear and somebody's renting it from me. A lot of investors, I got a mortgage on the place and I rented it to somebody else. They're paying my mortgage. That's the whole idea. And hopefully you're putting a few dollars in your pocket every month. Well, that's the other part of the idea, right? If it's an investment, you're hoping that it's a net positive. Right. But, but you're measuring on lots of different parts. Right. Now, we don't have time today to talk about how you work with a financial institution to accomplish something like that. It's actually something I've got a special guest in mind that Ooh. I think I'm going to reach out to and see if we can't rope them in to join us on the program to talk somewhat about commercial financing and how that system operates. But uh, until that time, let's just stick to the some of the basic nuts and bolts here. One of the key elements in investment is what does a real estate investment compare to an alternative investment, right? Like I could choose to invest in the stock market or I could invest in real estate. Which one's better? Or you can do both, kind of. An alternative investment is kind of both. How? Well, I'm confused. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Well, as I say, because some alternative investments, in essence, you're investing in a in an LLC that may own a bunch of commercial real estate. Oh, okay. Is that so, what you were talking about, well, or did and, I go in a totally different left yeah, and no, I didn't no, understand so what you were talking path, about? So this is where in the in in the stock world that we live in, in as financial planners. There's a category of investment called alternatives. That's right? what I and thought you were talking about. Real estate falls under that alt category because you can invest in real estate sort of passively through management companies and so forth. But I'm comparing this to like, let's say, should I go buy a, a rental home or should I go buy ABC stock paying me a 4% dividend? Ooh, I would look at the return on investment between the two and see which one is the better investment. Correct. Okay. Right. So I did not understand in, what you were it's asking. It's a comparison <laughs> of investment, and it's a comparison of your total return on investment. Right. But there's lots of moving parts to this. Right. Okay. Because with commercial property, you've got income in, costs going out. You've got possibly part-time that it's not rented. So you have vacancy that you have True. to factor in. And then there's tax ramifications. And if it's done with financing, you have the cost of capital, but you also get the benefit of leverage, right? Right. Let's say that I can use $10,000 to control a building worth $100,000. Right. And that building I can sell next year for 105000 And I don't take any, like the income basically pays my mortgage and it pays So you're net expenses. neutral. I'm net zero. So my return is what on the building? 5%. 5%. My return is what if I sell the building in a year before taxes, before any taxes? Wait, what? 50%. Oh. Because I only used $10,000 to control a hundred. Right. The $100,000 generated 5,000 of profits. And when I sold it, I got, oh, my, I got, I got my 10,000 of equity back out and now I have 15. I made a 50% return on investment. Got it, sorry. I was trying to follow the math and yeah. I was confused on the question. So okay. my, before taxes, right, my return on that leveraged investment would have been a 50% return on cash, 5% return on asset. Nice. Okay. And, and now you see how the layers get complicated? Yes. They're, by the way, they are complicated. <laughs> right? There's a lot of layers to this. And this is where I say the talented real estate pros understand this stuff. right? And, and so if you're getting into real estate investment, it's not as simple as, that seems like a nice house. People would like to rent it. And I will tell you, any true real estate investor has their like 
has their licks that they've taken. They've had their like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or I should have done it differently. I mean, they all have some kind of woe tell. Oh, uh, the price of experience is expensive. It it is. Yes, very yeah. much so. So so for all of you listening, you know, let me try to just tell you that it is it's cheaper to listen to wisdom than to learn from experience. <laughs> Amen. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Wisdom's a lot more affordable. So uh I, I I'm gonna just go out here in the last couple of minutes. Um, I will suggest that for many people, I think real estate can be a very excellent investment. I think it needs to fit your personal business plan. Correct. And it needs to fit your your time and inclination too. Real estate is seldom passive. Like if you're gonna own the rentals, it maybe gives you the most margin, but you have to put the most sweat equity into it also. Can be. Uh, commercial and residential are very different. There are. are actually a lot of rules at the state level, for example. There are, there are rules about do. landlord and tenant law and tread into that cautiously. Right. Because there's some real gotchas. Uh, commercial has a different set of rules, right? And how you buy them is going to be very different. And here's the real, you know, I, I wish I would have managed time better on the show because the new tax policies out there could have significant ramifications on value. So I think next week we should talk about tax yeah. policies on real estate. Yeah, I think we may get into the weeds a little bit because the, the Biden tax proposal, there's a couple things on the table. So let's just, we'll remember this for next week is we need to talk about what a 1031 exchange means and what that could lead to. With the right? Biden policy. Right? Because the Biden's, Biden wants to change the 1031 policy potentially. Capital gains impact very very significant for real estate and uh the potential for an inflation cycle and what that could mean for your uh capital gains exemption as a primary residence uh oh okay so there's a lot of moving parts that uh most of us if you're a homeowner you're going to want to tune in but doggone it if we didn't just get a little shy on time today so much good stuff to talk about with real estate i know right so uh Anyway, as, as we come to a close today, here's what I'm going to remind you. Your personal business plan is exactly that. If you'd like more information uh, or are interested in exploring what that looks like, give our firm a call. 541. Ah, see, jump yep. in the gun. 541-375-0898. Okay. And a reminder, this is podcasted. Share it with friends, family, all that good stuff. It's at littlejohnfs.com and look under the Educate tab. Uh, also... Uh, you can, uh, well, you already gave out the phone numbers and stuff. So hit us up on social, all that good stuff. But I guess we got to go. So until next time. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. This has been Dave Littlejohn. <laughs> Katie Shuck. We'll see you. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.